Hey guys, and welcome to Softball Nation Podcast. In this episode, I had a great conversation with Coach Denny Tincher, the father and pitching coach of a 2008 NCAA Player of the Year, Angela Tincher. Coach Tincher has challenged the pitching norms and built an army of coaches around the country who teach his unique approach. Just a few topics we talked about were common pitching myths, tips for choosing a college, and building mental toughness. I had a lot of fun talking to Coach Tincher, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Tell us about the day that Angela, your daughter, came to you and said, hey dad, I want to pitch. She was playing Little League softball at the time in a very small rural area, and uh, I never thought much about it. She wasn't good at it at all, and started bugging me for months. I mean, she was down to the point of tears. I want to learn to do this thing. I want to learn to do this thing, and I didn't know there was such thing as pitching instructors. I didn't even know travel ball existed. So I thought it was something Daddy had to go learn, and most of the time, I was just going. There was no big YouTube presence, no big internet presence, so it was really just Go to games, video great pictures, video the World Series, break it down slow motion, try to get her to look like that. Um, I didn't realize until she was about 13, we started, we actually went to our first clinic. And I was like, I'm not so sure about some of these things. We realized that we had taken a very different track and realized most of what was happening, most of the girls in the World Series were these big, strong kids. And we had to find some way to get this little five, seven kid productive. And nobody took her seriously. And so we, we just kept experimenting, and that's kind of how the, the whole thing started. That's really what's so unique about you. You really went beyond just being a good dad and a dad slash coach. And um, you were going to college games, videoing great pitchers, studying videos um, of pitchers in the World Series. That is really an added level of commitment. What made you want to do that? Uh, probably just my nature. I love to figure out things. Uh, I drive my wife, my family nuts because I'm always thinking, how does this work? What happens? So it, it's, it's, the personality is such that I'm always thinking there's got to be an answer that nobody's thought of before. And I find a lot of satisfaction in just doing that sort of thing. So as you're, um, you're coaching Angela and you're, you're really getting into it, can you talk about when you think you got to the point where you really found your unique value as a pitching expert and said, you know, hey, I can help more girls than just Angela. I was driving around one day and she was about 13 or 14 and we were having trouble with something. Uh, she was making hip contact uh, with her forearm. <clears throat> and I asked a few people and nobody had a good answer to it. And we just thought and experimented and did things trying to figure a way around that at the time. I didn't have anybody to go to. And I, was, I still remember driving around in my truck one day going, you know, if I could ever help another kid, I'm going to do it. Uh, I really didn't think about it as a career. So that was kind of the way it was. I just saw a lot of daddies out there struggling with issues. And I was struggling with issues. And I thought, well, if I ever learn enough, I'll help out a little bit. As you've been coaching for all of this time, what was your step one? Why did you want to start your own coaching? Well, after she graduated, a lot of people called us, wanted us to do camps and clinics and stuff. And I'd go do those. And all at once, I'd look around and instructors started calling me, asking questions. And they wanted us to get shadow man. It was kind of something that we grew into. We realized that we had to be very careful who we taught, that they didn't do it wrong, that they didn't hurt kids, that they had that real genuine interest in the kids. And uh, we just started selecting a few people to study with us, and it grew into what it is today. I was so fortunate early on to run into a, an incredible strength trainer with all the certifications, all the degrees, and he thought in ways I'd never thought before. 
then I got to be friends with one of the great sports medicine doctors in the country. And then it grew into therapists and chiropractors and various people of various expertise. And uh, we have a couple of sports psychologists in the group. Uh, the more we grew, the more we learned. There's so much we don't know yet. So it was like, let's start looking for people that can contribute in ways that nobody's ever thought of before. Right. And, and truly, um, you and your group of coaching experts have challenged the, the pitching norms that um, everybody has accepted. And that is what is so unique. And, and I truly think that's um, your value. So what are three myths maybe you could share about pitching that we, we all commonly accept, but you think need to be challenged? Uh, there's not just one way to do something. There's not one way to grip a ball. People get stuck in a rut. And I'm going, if somebody can show me something I've never seen before, I'm not going to change it. I'm going to study it, see if it's something that other kids can use. Two, arm strength. People always talk about arms and arm strength. That has so little to do with softball pitching. Now, the arm has some incredible forces on it at release, but that's generated through other parts of the body. So we're not sitting around talking about the arm, throwing weighted balls and stuff like that on the kid because it, it generates in a whole different part of the body. And the final myth is that because the softball motion is different from baseball, that it's safer. There are a lot of things that I think we commonly accept or that are just assumed, but um, those are those are great points. What should pitchers be doing that they're not doing enough of um, in terms of maybe taking care of their arm, taking care of their body so that they can prevent injuries? Listen to their body. Um, so often a kid will come in, I'll work with her, and she'll go, wow, this is what I've always wanted to do, but I was told I couldn't do it this way. Listen, feel, feel, feel. Think about how you work in other sports. What do you feel? So pay attention to your body and don't do something just because somebody tells you to. Right. And uh, it's safe to say that uh, tincture pitching is heavily based on how can we get pitchers to move in a way that their body wants to move and not try to force any movements on them. It just is a study of the body and how we perform in all sports. If you look at a great golfer, you don't see anything snapping, anything jerking. You know, it's a long fluid motion generating from the hips. If you look at a great tennis player, it's footwork, it's hips. Uh, we should look at that in all sports. Um, right. And look at that in pitching compared to other sports. Where are they generating the power? What barriers are there to power? And that's what we run a lot of times into as kids have learned things that actually prevent them from being powerful. So let's let's go to the other side of that pitch and let's be the hitter for a little bit. I recently had a conversation with my coach and he was sharing with me this concept of categorizing pitchers uh, before a game so that I can be a better hitter and more prepared at the plate. So, uh, for example, if you know, she's a really fast pitcher or if she has more finesse, kind of categorizing them so that I can be better prepared for when I step up uh, to the plate. So as a pitching expert, what are things you could help hitters look for to classify a pitcher? As a player, I'm going to do everything I can. I always say the job of a great pitcher is to make the batter uncomfortable. The job of a great hitter is to make the pitcher uncomfortable. I want to change things if I'm a hitter. Um, if I stand in the same place in the box, then I'm giving her control and she can react to me. I might go to the front of the box, you know, when I was coaching hitters, I'd say, okay, go to the front of the box one pitch. And if she's hitting, if she's throwing a drop ball, let's see if she can make it break sooner. 
let's go to the back of the box and see if she can keep it in the zone. Let's take one pitch where we squeeze the plate. Let's back up one um, to the very back line. Let's see what she's throwing. If she's throwing a lot of curve balls and on the outside corner, I'm going to the front of the box and squeeze that plate and try to take that pitch away and see if she has something else. Um, I'm going to change the timing. I'm not going to step in and let her go when she wants to. I'm going to back out. I'm going to get in when I'm ready. And I may, if it's too long, I'm going to call time out. You know, I'm going to try to dictate things as a hitter and see what she can adjust to. And I'm not picking on my pitchers when to do this because these are things they got to learn when they get to college. So what can I do to make that pitcher get off her game? Let's talk a little bit about your uh, your blog. You've got a great blog on your website, and um, we've gotten to know you. We've gotten to talk about pitching and hitting. So let's move on to the topic of owning your development. Uh, so your blog post uh, called "Am I Helping Enough?" Uh, grabbed me because mm-hmm. you made a point about how players need to own their development. Most kids have never set a five-year goal. When you're talking a 12 or 13-year-old kid and you're expecting her to think about college, she has no clue. That's where parents or a mentor have to really step in and help her. Um, Then listen for great advice, not one, not two people, but talk to 10 people who are successful. Talk from all angles. Talk to coaches. Talk to parents. Talk to great players who succeeded at the highest levels. If you're 12 and you look at a 14-year-old kid and you're, wow, I want to learn from them, they're learning. Uh, That may not be your best. I might want to talk to an 18-year-old kid or 22-year-old who's just finished with a great college career. Find out what the answers are. Uh, Get as many inputs as you can. Then you can start taking responsibility and find a mentor to help you set the goals and, and break it down into timetables. But so many kids have gotten used to, okay, I get the newest bat. I get the best glove every month, every year, whatever. Um, somebody bring me a Gatorade to the dugout. Uh, they're catered to a little bit. And sometimes we want them to take that responsibility. Parents, it's hard. I've been there twice. Both my daughters went on to pitch D1. It's hard not to want to do everything for them. And you always feel like, am I doing enough? And sometimes we have to back down and see what they really want uh, I mean, our younger daughter's a great example. She'd grown up under Angela, and it was like, wow, how do you follow that act? And everybody expected the same thing. She's a very different personality. And finally, you know, around her first, after her freshman year in high school, she's like, I'm done with softball. We totally supported that. Great photographer, great musician. And I forgot about softball. And then I was going into her junior year, the day before her junior year, she came here and says, Dad, I miss it. This time it's for me. The memories of Angela faded. I want to go back and pitch. And I was like, Abby, you were very good when you quit. She goes, I didn't ask you that. I said, can you get me ready? <laughs> I was like, are you, are you kidding? Most kids were already recruited at the time you're getting started. And it, it ended. It, it all just went fine. But uh, she, at that point, totally took responsibility, told me when to be there, what to do. She had watched her sister do it. So she knew how to guide that ship. Right. Right, and that's um, that's a great point. It, it, sometimes stepping back uh, from your athlete will will help you see what they really want. Many of our listeners are in the throes of going to recruiting camps or you know making lists of colleges they want to look at. Um, and you made this really interesting point in your blog post: whose fault is it? About understanding mm-hmm. what school is the best fit 
and n rather than chasing a scholarship. Uh, so can you talk about your experience with this? In general, know what you're looking for. I had one kid who, seventh grader, who committed last year before the change the NCAA rules. Everybody in the country was recruiting her. And we had a lot of talks. And uh, she ended up going to an SEC school. But she made a list of 32 things that she wanted out of a college before she would even consider. And it was an amazing list, like class size. Do they have a number of majors? Because I don't know at this point what I want to do. Is it within driving distance if there's a family emergency? Simple things that most people don't think of. So she drew out what she wanted and then narrowed her choices to schools that offer that. So doing your homework is huge, not just going somewhere because the school wants you or talks great about it. We tell them to talk to former players. The current players at a college cannot give you honest feedback. They can get yeah. in big trouble for that. Talk to two or three former players and also talk to a couple of people who transferred. What is their reason? Talk to somebody else in the conference. They know all the secrets about a school. So you have to do your homework there because college lasts four years and then you're probably done with softball. You don't want to work 10 years of your life to get ready to go do right. something and be t totally disappointed in the result because most pitchers, right. most players will tell you, if you survey, you'll find most players will be lukewarm to, no, I would not go back to the same situation again. Right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about training on the, on the mental side of the game, working with pitchers who are put, you know, they're in the middle of the field, they're, they're in the spotlight the whole game. Why do you think there's not a lot of training in the mental game? And what kinds of things can pitchers especially be doing to uh, strengthen their mental game? Most of the time, mental weakness is actually a lack of preparation uh, or a lack of technique, a lack of feel. They know something's wrong, so the technique is not there. Something needs to be improved. I always say train yourself so thoroughly that you don't have time for doubt, that you go out there and you only know one way to do things. I'm not talking about putting yourself in a box. I'm saying you only know how to do it right. Too many kids are not prepared for that. They, they rush through their practices. Practice the way you want to perform is what I tell them. And then perform the way you practiced. So most of the time, mental weakness is actually something going on in the physical side, whether it's form, whether it's strength, uh, understanding the movements. And a kid needs to get into their own self and say, what is it? What fears? I mean, a lot of times parents can play a big part because the kid's looking out there wondering if dad's going to approve of her performance. That's hard to overcome, and no book's going to help that. He's got to help that, and she's got to talk to him. Hey, I need you to help me back off a little bit or push me a little harder. Uh, training a kid is its not a preconceived notion of this is how we do it. It's more what is going on and who is this kid? What's her personality? Right. If I tried to train daughter number two like daughter number one, they're entirely different personalities. Right, and therefore their their mental game might be a lot different. Of course, I've been there. It, it, it's easier to want to, here, quick, let me fix you. They don't want to be fixed. <laughs> they want to be right. understood. And then they want to discover answers. Mm -hmm. Now, I think a lot of the times pitchers have, they feel a lot of, a lot of weight on their shoulders. How were they able to kind of drown out that pressure and, and focus on <clears throat> every pitch? Play for your team win the game, no matter what it takes, but figure out how to play for your team, love your team, get to know your team. I always taught them, you don't have to love your teammates. You got to love your team. So the minute you're on the field, they're part of your team. 
play for them. And then it, it, it gives you that feeling and they're going to read that in you. Give them the credit. I always taught my daughters, uh, when you win, you say, the team won today. When you lose, I lost today. <laughs> if you yeah. take that feeling, the team will not feel like you're the, because the pitcher's going to get a lot of glory that she doesn't deserve. Every time you can do it, give them credit. Even if you strike out everybody in the game, go to them afterwards and say, hey, knowing you're behind me gave me the courage to throw and do it, you know, and feel comfortable there on the mound. I did that because you were behind me. Give them the credit. Praise the coach. Never take any credit for yourself. Praise other people. Then you'll be a better teammate, and then you don't get caught up in that. And you'll start believing it yourself. You'll see it yourself. They'll play harder for you. You'll believe in them. Everybody wins. Uh, many girls are in winter training right now and uh, getting ready for their spring season. As And as somebody who is interested in the recovery and injury prevention, what are some tips you could give us to help eliminate injury? Most kids don't need to be stronger. They need to be more balanced, more flexible, uh, and more body awareness. Don't ever do it. You don't need to pick up barbells. I don't like, I'm not a fan of of maxing out on bench press overheads, things like that at all. Uh, I'd rather be working with bands, body weight, and things that are safe for the young athlete. There's just so many reasons. Understand your body. Feel your body. If it says, oops, this hurts a little bit, stop right there. Don't try to pitch through it. Go back, ice it, see what's going on, and be really in touch with somebody that knows what's going on with your body. But you've got to let the body recover. There's way too many medical experts that will agree with that. There's no dispute. They must have that downtime. Now, in a, just out of curiosity, in, in a recovery period, like a six-week break or two weeks before the fall season, what does that look like for a player? Is that a lot of stretching or a lot of agility work? And, um, you know, what, what does that look like for, for an athlete? It looks like, wonder what movie's showing. It, wants, <laughs> it looks like, what are my friends doing tonight? Uh, let's go make friends. We got to have a social life. Right. We got to have, you know, see what's on TV. Uh, I don't mind if you continue some workouts, but sometimes the brain needs that time. For anybody who uh, would be interested in tincture pitching and fluid dynamics, uh, working with you or uh, joining your program, um, could you give them maybe a little overview of, uh, what you're doing, what's going on, um, any exciting or upcoming events? Yes, instructors, first of all, you know, the candidates have to be pretty qualified uh, because you can see all the different things that they have to learn. So they have to bring a lot of background into it because you can't start from scratch, uh, never having been all the way through the game. So that's a big prerequisite. Uh, students, we, you can go to our website and learn about our instructors where they're at. We'd love to grow the organization, but we're not going to grow the organization and compromise the quality of people we look for. Can you talk about, for coaches, what it, what it means to be certified in your approach as a coach? It's, it's looking for people that can add to the group, contribute in some way. And it's amazing how some things that seem very small and trivial, their contributions become huge because they ask questions. I want people that are asking questions. And if the day I quit asking questions, I quit. <laughs> Because we have not learned, we have not learned ten percent of what we want to know. I hope you 
enjoyed uh, the podcast and I certainly enjoyed talking to you. I, I learned a lot and I think our listeners will definitely benefit from our conversation. Thank you so much. I'm impressed with the work you're doing. Just honored to be a part of it. Thank you, Charlie. Great talking to you, Coach Tincher. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation. Let me know what you liked best about the episode and maybe what you think you can put into action in your next practice or game. Also, make sure to subscribe to Softball Nation on SoundCloud or iTunes and follow me on Instagram or Twitter at underscore Charlie Quinn underscore to stay updated on Softball Nation news.